1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Hi, my name is Frances, and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm joined by Scott Duncan, editor of El Porvenir Ya. Welcome to the show, Scott.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And also, I go by Scott Russell Duncan.
0: Scott Russell Duncan.
1: Yeah. had too many people check my ID for... I'm going to use my whole name.
0: Okay, perfect. So... Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and how the book came into being?
1: Well, uh, like I said, my name's Scott. Um, I'm from uh, Southern California, North Texas, uh, mostly from a little town called Ramona, California. Um, I'm Chicano, and obviously my name isn't, but uh, I, I, I got a book coming out this year called Old California Strikes Back through Flower Song Press. I'm a writer and editor um but el poverney Ya, yeah, the the uh it's the first chicano sci-fi anthology it came out uh, in 2022 i believe um and it's uh it, it's it was the actually it's the first thing me and the head the executive editor i should say i'm talked about when i joined up um you know when we're just a mag, it's almost inscritos a, a literary magazine and we became a press a small chicano press later um and we're trying to build, I mean, basically, I should, maybe I should talk about that first. It's, it's a small press. We're trying to um, publish what um, and, you know, like uh, encourage the stories of Raza uh, and, and, um, and basically be the institution nobody else is going to build for us. Right. And, and be kind of the anti main main press. Right. Or at least alternate alternate main press for uh, the stories of our community that we need or get overlooked. Um, But one of the first things me and Armando, Armando is the uh, author of Chicano Manifesto, a seminal work of in the 60s for the Chicano movement. And uh, he has this little library of a lot of like old school uh, uh, sci fi books. And I was talking to him about it and some other books that come out like uh, like Latino and Latinx um, sci fi anthologies. And we had talked about actually we had talked about uh, R.C.H. Garcia, who is. uh, like we published one of his books as well. It's called the death song of the dragon Chikshulub and, um, Ernest Hogan, both are, both of these, these, these two are like really, you know, they've been around in the sci-fi arena for a long time. And we talked about those books and our, our lack of, rec, uh, representation and our lack of, uh, you know, we have people telling these stories and, uh, you know, they're not getting any, uh, you know, there's, you know, Netflix isn't making any of their, in <laughs> their novels into, uh, in, into movies and uh or and also we're getting kind of um we're not really recognized and, and, you know the uh, authors like that and often get in, you know they get into other uh ethnicities you know like that like i i think are imposed upon us like latinx and latino that's the eurocentric in my view but um and so they can include that but but our our particular issues our particular backgrounds our particular uh, uh you know neat conversations we need to have get skipped over and uh we really thought uh we really needed to have a, a Chicano uh, sci-fi or wh- what we're trying to call now the Chicano futurist point of view and have this bring them together and have this space um because there's there's been a lot and there's I mean I didn't mention uh what's it uh Rosara Sanchez and I Beatrice I can't remember her last name, I'm sorry, but they wrote Luna Braceros quite a number of years ago. So there have been a few figures that have been, you know, last um for more than twenty years have been putting out like we, well, you could say Chicano sci-fi and there's been, you know, a lot of books on like, you know, the ragdoll plague, ragdoll plagues, which is a really great book by someone who's deceased. I forget his name because I'm bad at names, but like, like we've been around, but this is the first place. And it's strange because it's, it's not 1981. It's not 1975. It was 2022, (laughs) you know, uh, for this to come out. So, I mean, that, that was the whole, um, just to get through. and, And we didn't have an open call. We, 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 uh, we run a, um, what do you call it? A, uh, extra, we call it extra fiction contest every year, right? That's kind of open to more, more backgrounds than just Chicano. But, um, and we, we did that for a few years and we, we had a pretty good, um, you know, thumb on what's going on. So we started contacting all these writers and saying, you want to be in this? And, you know, I'm really, I'm happy with the way, um, uh, for our response. And, you know, we, and we just kind of put all of them in certain categories we saw there was going on, you know, and, um,
0: so you said that you don't think it's fair for Chicano narratives to be subsumed under a larger Latinx genre. What is what is Chicano specifically? As a, uh, as a, I mean, Chicano
1: is an ethnicity. Chicano is a political stance. And uh, Chicano is uh, basically a, a decolonized Mexican-American, right? Um, I mean... What they say, a Mexican American without an Anglo notion of themselves. I forget that exact quote, right? And like, it's an indigenous point of view, right? Um, and I mean, ultimately, Latino, Latinx, Latina. All oh, it's it's a year sent is literally from Napoleon the third. I mean, this is my own thing, right? I mean, like I like most writers are gonna. I mean, I'm in plenty of Latin <laughs> Latinx anthologies. I uh, just don't call me, uh, you know, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll you know, I want to get published, but I think it's um, it's something that's um, like we're, we're going to be a plurality in the near future, right? Um, and uh, whatever term you might want to call us. It. and it's uh, it's degrading our voice, degrading our ability to have our own conversations if if we're uh, always put in with with these other groups, right? Which I like. We have unity with other groups. That's not the issue, you know. I mean, with with, uh, with you know, tribally affiliated nations, right? With with other people that, that you know, Puerto Ricans, Boricua, you know, like uh, and Uh, there's plenty of groups that we have affiliations with, but it's just like, we need to have our own spaces and uh, particularly when, if we're going to be the plurality, like that, that means that the most people, you know, it's not, we're we're not going to be the most, but we will be like, uh, all the other groups will be smaller than us. And so we need to have this, it's going to be very important for this country for what kind of, um, character we have. Right. And like, you know, the future is like, we got, we got a dying planet. We have. You know this <laughs> rampant capitalist uh, system like uh, really exploding the heck out of everybody like on uh, you know like this change and since i was born in the 70s like uh, you know you could you know like, i don't want say preach in the choir but like, or, or anything you know but like you could go to college and uh, off of a checkout job checkout job at the grocery store that's that's a joke now you know and so things have changed and things have gotten worse and what kind of people certainly the, the future might happen is certainly like everyone's concern and it, and particularly uh for the cauldron that science fiction can be and, and the idea of the future and that, that the ideas that can formulate that. That's to me that's one of the most important things. And and uh having having our people uh in some ways like join in to things like the Red New Deal um and other things like this are like more important, you know, and to see and to see the, you know, um connect reconnect with our history and, you know <laughs> and go against these uh, these forces.
0: Right the diverse the, the importance of a diversity of perspectives in shaping the future. I'm wondering if you could tell us that some of the ways or some of the elements or perspectives in Chicano science fiction that make it distinct from American or British sci-fi that's maybe more
1: mainstream. <laughs>
0: um,
1: well, I mean I can go I can tell there, I mean there's there it, I can even go from the um, the sections and like, I, like we, we, we dump some of these, um, stories into, right. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, there's often a longing for, uh, connection to history, right. You see that a lot, like with, with, uh, time travel, cause we, you know, our education is robbed from us, you know, like I didn't get into any, any kind of, uh, my own past other than, Um, you know, the black legend, um, that were, you know, that often this, this country flips off whether we're indigenous or not, according to its own needs. Um, and then, uh, until I was well into college, you know, um, and then I had to do it on my own. Um, but you see this yearning for connection to the history there. I think often you see this, um, anticipation that we will be the, the you know, the, the, the numbers will return to, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, if they don't actually are talking about it, you know, there's a concept of the eagle in the condor about the uh, the numbers, re- like uh, returning of indigenous people, but also, you know, just the idea that, you know, this uh, Mexico that was uh, invaded and occupied is going to have Mexicans in it again. You know, will, I, my, my family's never left. We've been here the entire time. But like, it's going to have the numbers that, that show. And it's already the truth in many places, Southern California, the Southwest, a lot of places and places in Washington. <laughs> that's a, that wasn't, you know, uh, that's that, that's a bit of a stretch there. But um, but I would say some of the other ideas is like uh, worry about losing a culture. I mean, look at um, there's a story by Carmen Baca. Um, uh, she's you know, there's some specific regionalisms um, like uh, being a new Mekana. Uh, she's worried about that culture going away. You know, I'm like, that's, uh, we like, that's my own grandfather's side. Like we're, we, we exist in Northern New Mexico because, um, is unlike in California, they, everyone came there. Right. And, um, you know, there was mo- a lot more people to deal with there. It's just like, uh, it's more remote. There is less, but now that's kind of changing people, losing the ways. And so there's, there's this anxiety about losing ways and losing, um, traditional ways. Um, this was also, um, ideas about, uh, what do you call it? Like, I would say when in Hogan's story about, um, um, uh, pushing culture away, cause it's also about culture too. Right. I mean, like not pushing culture away. I mean, um, if like, uh, spreading culture, right. He has a story about a Mexican restaurant being kind of a vanguard, <laughs> uh, of, uh, like, uh, programming for, to, to, to Mexicanize everyone. Right. Um, uh, and that kind of thing makes it, um, I always thought, you know, I'm from, uh, Southern California and Texas, right? And so you see, like how culture really affects people, and like you kind of wondering. And I, by myself, I'm half white, and I can see how different ways affect people and how they uh, they they take upon um, different cultural items, right? And where does that line? At like at one point, are you <laughs> are you a Chicano or or Anglo? At what point, right? And so it's and you see a lot of people um, uh, even within. The chicano community that that may be from you know, other places but are you know full of chicano culture so i mean i think there's a, I mean, a few other things that might uh, like connection with the land too like definitely i mean there are a lot of land issues that comes up quite a lot um a connection with indigenous selves too because like our like we often are come from many different indigenous backgrounds and you know new indigenous identities are born all the time in reaction to this kind of colonial like invasion occupation whatnot um and uh, trying to, and there's a lot of things that identity. I would think. Uh, Pedro is um story is really a really great story in it. Um, he flies, it's about a young guy, like he, he's a prisoner, he's cloned of a prisoner, and he and he's um thrown into a war on a planet. And yeah. uh, he has no background. I mean, it's almost you know, <laughs> I mean, not to overdo it, I mean, it's like it, it was it's it was real, it's it's really much like the Chicano condition, we like we're robbed of our history we often robbed of our culture or, or really enforced not to um not to uh engage with it. I I can tell you all the old people told me like uh they all made fun of me and they uh, for my dear taco like you know like on my uh, some of my apache relatives or like their tacos they ate rather than like you know banana, mayonnaise sandwiches or peanut butter sandwiches whatever right. <laughs> and it's like so that, it's like, it sounds ridiculous but that you know it, it's affecting children so like it's, it's another way of uh, reinforcing or uh, raising us and so there's this constant lack of knowing who we are even our presence here we don't know about like our own um history heroes organizations present in the united states that's been here since 1846 right and uh and so uh there's a lack of knowing who we are and you see in this story like uh he finally uh, like uh melds with this alien that he's supposed to be fighting is supposed to be evil and he finds out that he finally has he finally has an identity. He finally has a people when he connects with these, like, And it's it seems kind of obviously like a trope for like, and did, I can't say the word. Indi, Indigenous. Indi. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And so it's like, it's, he's, he's finally found this connection and these people and, you know, and then he joins there. And then like, you know, ultimately there's some construction, kind of but um, I would say some, of some other, other things too. And also like, I think being seen visibility is always a big thing. I think for a lot of, people that uh, are like outlier or subjugated or however other terms you want to use. Like, we're just not, not seen. I mean, I think there's one, uh, Rudy Garcia's um, RCS Garcia goes by his one where he shows uh, he has a Anglo vet uh, being shown around back to about eight uh, young Asian bo- um, young man and, um, and he shows them throughout the, like through this time travel bus, it sounds a little funny, right. Throughout the, the uh, history of Denver, right. It's, it's a, lot of uh, Chicano uh, and uh, the history of Asian Chicanos and other people and showing, and through this character, he sees like, Hey, this, and uh, like he's able to change. Right. And he's able to see like I've related the wrong way. And so he's able to like be part of the society and, um, and not be like not not have the uh, you know attitudes toward women attitudes towards uh, like the, the the kid that he's that's actually taking his time out to show this old you know he's not an old guy he's like thirty right but older than him to show him around right so I think yeah and and generally speaking also um, there's I would think from other works you know not just about this book there's a lot of um, I think there's uh, like going against what the, the society is portraying like as violence. Like I mean, a lot of times people talk about the barrio. There's a lot of like slumming stories about going to the barrio like from you know um, the mainstream like scary Mexicans, uh, Vato locos coming down, you know, or like the uh, what they call the tragic mestiza kind t- of type. like you know, there's a whole kind of like that social realist d- diseased woman who will pull you down and then have like 50 kids and it will make you not middle class anymore. You better watch out, you know, but rather than that, the barrio is a place of uh, possibility of uh, melding of different p- uh, paths and, um, and like, and, and not a, not this and more of a wonderland and not this place of, of, of use and uh, as terror, you know, I mean, there's any, any violence is like, I mean, you can walk out there, you walk out the barrio and encounter violence as well. Right. But um <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things that make it distinct, but there's also, you know, there's also influences from, from, you know, the mainstream and other places as well.
0: So it's kind of like a science fiction can kind of be a tool for reframing for Chicano, Chicano na- narratives, um, both, both historical and contemporary about the place that a Chicano person op- um, can, does and can occupy in society.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, like, I mean, we're actually, we're having this workshop, Palabas del Pueblo, um, and like, we're talking about these kind of issues. To me, the, um, I think a lot of times what the main, I mean, there are some really great books that, you know, like successful writers thought myself, right? Um, they're put out there, but I think our narratives are locked, or I see the same thing. I saw a book, I was like, this is the same book, this is the same book that came out in the 80s. And I'm not just, you see that happen a lot with other, with any kind of culture or book, but for us, it seems to happen quite a lot. And I think there's the gatekeepers only want one kinds, of, like certain kinds of stories from us. And it gets, it gets to be, I think it affects us as a people first how, because we don't actually get to see our, our own work that much. Right. Cause it's not, cause they're not going to be promote. They're only going to promote what they're going to promote. And it's not like everybody is it's it is the stories that they allow to come through. And, you know, there's obviously that whole, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Not the cat in the bag, but at any rate, the American dirt kind of showed this whole problem, right. Um, with somebody who's not a Mexican, uh, immigrant or a Mexican or even Chicana, um, to, uh, who got, you know, what they say the trifecta, the, the, the uh, promotion, they got, <laughs> what's her name, Oprah, they got, uh, in a million bucks, right. Nobody gets that. None of our, our, our greatest writers don't get that, you know? And, but, uh, and then she portrayed us as violent, and all these sorts of things, right? Um, I've already forgot the question. What <laughs> was the kid? I'm sorry. That's okay. Like American Dirt got me hot.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. I, that was during COVID, I think, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah, it's been a bit.
0: Well, I guess just kind of similar similar train of thought. I just wanted to ask you about this line in the book, er, in the preface by. Ernest Hogan that I thought was really interesting, which was that Chicano is a science fiction state of being.
1: Oh, yes. That's, okay. Yeah. I remember the question now. I'm sorry. Yeah. That- I mean, that's, I mean, to, yeah, to me, uh, I'll, I'll get to this about, to me, the uh, sci-fi, speculative fiction, all this, and in, in, uh, when it comes to Chicano writing, it is, um, I guess, the place that we most can uh, do all this work of formation, right? where like we can push ourselves to to see new visions. I mean it can also just be like other things too, right? It doesn't have to always be that. And, like nothing always has to be this like we need to do this for, you know, for, you know, to push ourselves forward or whatever. People can write other stuff, but like I, I see as far as this space it has potential and I, and I see a lot of it like to work out these ideas of who we are, what can we be, who what we need to address um and to evolve, right? I think I think this play I think Chicano futurism is a spot where everyone can finally um, have new ideas about ourselves and I have these same kind of narratives. Uh, like, you know, I'm not saying all these books are always bad, but it's just like, if it's, it's the same thing, like, um, you know, I mean, I personally like experimental fiction, but I see it's hold, but from my opinion, it's holding us back. But on the to Hogan's statement, I mean, um, that's, that, that, I mean, a lot of people talk about this. This is um, this, is, you know, a semi-famous statement from him. Uh, he's uh, he wrote a, uh, the Ch- Chicano Not uh, Manifesto, I believe, right? That's a very short essay, but it, it, it's exactly a thousand percent true. Like every time you, any any uh, what you might uh, call, they say people of color, but non-white person or like whatever, there are other terms for them, right? For us, um, whatever we put uh, a pen to paper, we're disproving. A lot of what this this country says about us, right, that we're violent, that we're backwards, that we have no like worthy culture, that unless like somebody comes along and exploits it, right. Um, and so, we are creating ourselves, it's particularly when we got often. Uh, you think of all these old uh, old school Chicano um, presses, right, uh, uh, that had to do quite, and then a, a lot of the work since the '80s to like really go back and find out all our um, all our writers. Um, that are forgotten, all are, you know, all are like literary movements that are forgotten. There was a literary movement in Las Vegas, New Mexico in the 1880s that nobody knows about, you know, like, uh, I forget the name of the guy that, um, that was, uh, there's a, a figure around it, but like, it's, it was, it was people that, that came from um, a, this, a lot of people sitting in the work through the newspaper that was a uh, Spanish language newspaper, kind of Spanglish, right? And so there was, there's a lot that, and you know nobody's archiving it because, uh, you know, since then we were not considered worthy of study, right? Worthy of, of portrayal or everything we're doing is not is not uh, worth anything. So no one's uh, uh, saved it. So they did a lot of work to, to save our own, our own our own culture. And so I think, um, <laughs> I get detrained so I need a little more coffee. Um, but like we need, uh, but are our creating ourselves takes a lot of research. Right. Uh, to, to know, cause we're, 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 we're taking like, we're expected to live other people's lives to be honest. Right. I'm, you know, like the encroachment of, uh, of American culture, um, like to totally erase us, to totally tell tole- tell us how we should be, to tell us like literally not to speak speak our own languages or like, uh, let's, let's say if you want to like learn Spanish, again, you go to Spanish class. What, what do they teach you there? They teach you how, how they teach you tourist Spanish. Not how to speak to your grandmother so even in our education about ourselves is often anglocentric, right it, it's like uh, they're not going to say what do you say when your grandma yells at you to clean your room it says like how do you order a daiquiri <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know and so um so i think this uh, Chica- uh you know, chicano is a sci-fi state of being and we are speculative people right we are because um while we've been around this this concept of uh, being Chicana Chicana or Chicanx is from the '60s, right? Like uh, it, Chicano really means dark. It was a slur against. Uh, it'd be like Cholo today, right? It'd be like Chola. Uh, it means dark native person, right? Dark or dark Indio, which some people don't like to say, but um, but it's but it, it is a new creation. It is a um, and so it is it is sci-fi. It is speculative. We are you know we are trying to form a, who we are still. And it's, it's something always under attack and shifting.
0: That's really interesting. It's like, yeah. Because I think of sci fi so much as trying to formulate a way in which the future can look based on present conditions and and I and imagination about the future. And that is that's so interesting to apply that to a group of people also.
1: But. i might imagine i might also add in that i'm um, very often like you know since you know i'm in my late 40s perhaps the last year of my 40s unfortunately yeah i what i've seen that, like throughout uh, you know things have changed a bit but not always as much as people think right as far as like uh you know books and sci-fi um like and television and movies and whatnot i mean i mean look at avatar i mean my god but um but like our, our portrayals are like we're, we're not seen we're not like uh and then uh, there's a huge problem in that the mainstream, uh, whatever, like we, we don't have our own auspices to, it is, uh, most more than often Anglo-written, Anglo-produced and Anglo written, Anglo produced and angle and, you know, directed by anybody but us. Right. And then, uh, and then, so how, how are these our stories, it, the very few that get through. Right. And on top of that, I think it's very traditional American story to, to show these, um, overcoming uh, uh like through like bug-eyed monsters and aliens cgi and, and or like you know old school uh captain Kirk fighting the gorn you remember that the lizard man um like that that's that is reinforcing this colonial relationship with, with other groups the anglo uh living in fear of the other right like we're definitely we're not in that binary of the society that's often uh like uh, black or white we're, we're the other um, we're also indigenous uh, when they want us to be, right? And then, because uh, also the government t- says who is or not, right? But so, my biggest, best example of that is like, think of all the movies filmed at Vasquez Rocks. If you know Vasquez Rocks, all right. <laughs> if you saw them, they're rocks in LA, north of LA, they're shaped like this. And like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, Star Trek, all the Star Treks, really. Um, and so, this is a um Natural formation in in our you know part of our homeland, which overlaps with many people, of course, and also where one of our folk heroes hit out, Tibercio Vasquez. He was um if you know Joaquin Marieta, um marietta who's a big you know yo soy Joaquin was a big uh, poem, he was sung about. They wrote about there was a book about him. He was he's partly real, partly not, but Tiberio Vasquez was real. He was you know, came later than the 1850s through the 1880s. Tiberio Vasquez said all these things about like, he only robbed Americans <laughs> and he only, he was supported by Californios, like the Mexicans are throughout the state, you know? And, uh, he was supported by the last governor, a Mexican governor of California, you know, he didn't turn them in. Um, and so he was celebrated. Uh, and he, he talked about like the, the, uh, abuses of the American system, the abuses of, of American people against Mexican people. And so, uh, that's where he head out and where he was, uh, I believe that's where he was finally um, busted, right? Um, but it might have been a house too, some uh, close by there. But how is that an alien spot, right? And so the people are indigenous people that are in these alien roles, right? On these alien worlds that are anything but, where the um, the main character, is always not us, right? The centered American, most often an American white guy, um, is reinforcing his the, their their culture and their stance of, against us right these stories got to change you know I've, I've had these conversations like we can't have these stories that are essentially westerns that are like about genocide about occupation and then expect and expect us all to get along <laughs> you know we got to have a new kind of story and it, like because we're, we're all here i mean like I'm, I'm very much into chicago sci-fi but it's also we're going to be plurality how do we relate how do we relate to others and how, you know, and, but we also need to call out how others have traditionally portrayed ourselves in our native uh, cousins.
0: I really like that idea of Chicano sci-fi being a, a way to open up sci-fi as a genre, as a whole genre, genre, um, because I think you're right. I think that so much of mainstream sci-fi is just a colonial fantasy that's being replayed over and over. Um which is the white man as conqueror and native people as other. And we see that either whether it's taking place in space or in the future or technology or whatever, like it, it is, it's kind of just a tired, besides for being problematic, it's also just kind of a tired story.
1: And it also ties so, in with patriarchy because the other, the other thing is like the um, you know, the white human, character like holding the blue uh human woman <laughs> the blue uh, alien woman or green or whoever with little antennas um you know it's it's a sexual it's a sexualized fantasy it, i mean colonialism is sexualized particularly you know it's it's something uh what you call it rapacious uh you know it's about you know whether it was from the you know the british or the spanish you know it was it was the same uh, and and it's reinforcing these uh you know i mean i People's fantasy. People fantasize about whatever, right? But it, but that's not the point. The point is that like this has got all this stru- these these um, uh, structures and, of uh, exploitation behind it, right? And um, and then you know that's that's our past. You know, I mean, like they they flip flop on who we are, like as far as indigenous or these uh, supposed Southern Europeans, right? Um, but. You know, like I have war criminals in my family line from uh, colonization on both sides, my Anglo and Spanish ancestors. Right. And though I, you know, I see myself as Chicano. Um, But this is a but that's a fact of of colonization, Um, you know, of like these people who did horrible things and often got away with it and still today, you know. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it also always makes me think of the quiet place, right? You know, Jim from The Office, he wrote, he did this movie called The Quiet Place. It was, um, I watched it, I, I was, my stomach was turning and, you know, it, it went, really went against my, uh, every being my Chicanismo to, because I paid for that movie and I had, I wanted to leave. Same thing happened to Avatar with my Cherokee friend. I was like, <laughs> like, like I, if I leave, he's going to be pissed, could be paid for it. But I, yeah, I couldn't, I can hardly, hardly stand to stay in the theater. Because, uh, you know, The Quiet Place, like, and I read about it afterwards, because it's basic, it is a devil in the woods, 500-year-old story about um, Native people uh, being scary, strong, and how important it is to uh, to kill them and overcome them, right? And uh, I saw what Jim from The Office, he's the director, um, like, wrote about it. And he's saying, oh, I, I had no kind of colonial attitude about this. It's about protecting the women and children. That's that's exactly why uh, all these native folks are dead because the excuse is we got to protect the women and children. And cause you know, of course the, the British brought their wives with them and not like the Spanish where they came here and had married, married people and had, you know, uh, 15 uh, mistresses and <laughs> whatever, but the English murdered everyone rather. So that's exactly, that is an Anglo tale. And if for him not to see that he, he needs to, like, I always think you can, you can write about other people, you can write these stories that you typically tell, but you got to learn about the history of representation. Right. And I think he, he felt in a big way about that. You know, I mean, that's, that is, that is the, that is a colonial, that is a colonial American tale that he he's retold and it, it's, and it, it keeps on going on and on and on, you know? And so I think we, we need to have, I think Chicano sci-fi, <laughs> Chicano futurism is a way to go against this. And then perhaps if, if let's say Jim from the office would read it, he can say, wait a second, I should make, the quiet place number three, but make it, you know, like they become friends and, and, and with the uh, aliens, you know, or then I have the brown people to star in my movie as well. And maybe, you know, maybe I'll direct it, but I'll let some, some uh, Chicano writers write it. And so, you know, and so we can have a better, uh, you know, story where it's not about killing anybody who's slightly different from you.
0: <laughs> if you're listening, Jim, from the office,
1: do better. <laughs> you can make a donation to Samblson Literary Foundation Press, all fools be forgiven. <laughs> and to this podcast.
0: <laughs> were there specific themes or motifs within Chicano culture that you were hoping to highlight in this anthology?
1: Um... <laughs> It kind of like, uh, you know, I and mean, we all got our, our own views and things like this. Like I, like, I mean, there, it's, it's just, it, it, like we have another anthology coming out. Um, but I mean, far this anthology, um, I, I, I kind of expected, um, I mean, I got little, some different things, right. I mean, like, I think there was some it's, it's surprising, but I wasn't super surprised. You know, I'm, I've been, you know, I read kind Chicano of work, I'm Chicano. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can't, the, I expected it like uh you know, that means um, what's it, kind of thrown together. Uh, it could mean tacky, but it also means kind of thrown together. Like uh, if like uh, well, my grandparents had this, like, like if you go to uh, like a old school Chicano house, they, they've got like uh, tires as uh, as um, flower pot holders and they reuse everything. It's kind of, it's kind of apocalyptic type, type, uh, like the reuse of these materials that are from other, they were reformed from other um, objects, right? But they break, and you reform them, and you reuse them. It's got a strong recycling kind of element to it, pro Earth, um, and so even if they don't say that, but it's uh, so it, it's kind of like thrown together Um There was ideas about. Uh, I kind of expected that, and uh, I didn't really see anything I didn't expect. I mean, we did uh, include like broaden the the um, kind of scope for El Poder Ya. Yeah. In that we have like this, uh, I, I saw the perspective, this story uh, called um, El Pablito, Right, it's kind of hard story to read. It, I mean, in that it's kind of like very harsh. It, it's um, it, it, the 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 author and her name. I'm bad at names. I'm really sorry. I forgot my own. Um, uh, she she saw this um, this small record from from um, a Spanish, the Spanish records and I forget um, someplace in, in you know Mexico, saying how this uh, infant that infant was hurled at this Sp- uh, Spanish man by a, by a, a native man. Right. It was obviously a, a mixed race infant. Right. Uh, and hurled it at him and she wrote the story around it. Uh, and, you know, in the story, it's the, um, the Spanish man, obviously there's some kind of like, you know, rape or like uh, use of this young woman, native woman. And he, like uh, the a character, a native character who used to be a bit uh, a bit more standing before the invasion is now um like uh, maybe not but like he uh so he he is part of the church right but he's like he's like like the handyman and he takes this infant and he bury and he buries it into like this old um uh native sanctuary a place of honor right and he, he's basically showing that well like though he wasn't this this uh this um infant wasn't cared for in life i mean wasn't cared for in death by his own own father uh, whatever wasn't, uh, like his mother meant nothing to him that, that this, uh, this indigenous uh, structure still like via this man still was still there to take care of him. Like to to bring him into like to be with the rest of his family and and ancestors. Right. And it's a hard story to read. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of stories like that. The first, um, I don't like mestizo is a colonial term. It's like mulatto. Right. But like, um, the first mixed race, uh, child born in California was product of, of, of rape. And, um, in the, the priest wrote, you know, this long little thing about how the, uh, the mother, um, you know, lift the infant, exposed the infant to the elements. And the priest wrote all these long, um, diatribe about how evil it was and all this stuff like that. I'm like, what about, what about the soldier, you know, what about, what about the ma- the, the group of men, you know, that, that did this thing. Um, So there's all sorts of things. That's our, you know, that's definitely in our, that's in our past. And so this, this story, uh, you know, it's a little more, it was a little more surprising, but I I thought it really fit in that it it is us reclaiming, like with this, this infant, right. Reclaiming our past, reclaiming our people and saying, and and protecting them in in many ways.
0: Are there any other stories in the anthology that particularly stuck out to you or resonated with you?
1: Yeah. uh, Kathleen Akalad's story um i mean i, I did i didn't throw a, you know use editor's purview to throw one of mine up one of mine in but I, it's a little trashy for me to talk about it so, uh, but um yeah kathy that's Lack- 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 story um oscar and natalia and oscar that really uh stuck out to me i mean it's uh i, I really like short work in uh, flash fiction uh, micro fiction and a long story for me is like more than four pages um but she has a lot of um character and narrative driving and focus right in, in this story it's about <laughs> some some kind of uh, strange happening happens and the cat starts talking there's some natural disasters going on and the really the focus is so much on these couple and we follow them and you don't kind of notice like all this is like strangest is happening and the cats talking to them they bring the cat with them and they go to mexico to stay with some relatives or who live in a little more uh, real existence and have more you know food and all this kind of thing and all this strangeness happens, and at the very end, the um, the uh, I believe the husband in this relationship or boyfriend, he he start he starts hearing uh, like otherworldly voices, and then there's a there's like kind of the spiritual or otherworldly or astral whatever train comes along, and he gets on, and there's no explanation for anything, you know, like why the cat talking, and you take it as as so this. I found this a surprise. It really stuck out to me. I, it, I think it's very well done, but I mean, um. So I thought, you know, that was a little surprising to me. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's from, it might be an excerpt from her upcoming book, which may not be out yet. Uh, there's some other things like the, um, uh, who, who do you call it? The uh, the, the authors of Lunar uh And then I forgot the name of the sequel to that. Um, they wrote uh, kind of a time travel tale about uh, this young um, grad student going back and going to the time of, the u.s invasion like you don't often see that like my my grandmother sites uh Californios and like mission indians from california you don't often see stories about us right that aren't like these horrible racist stories like zorro zorro zorro's by uh, like speaking of us, like he was a terrible the guy who wrote it's a terrible person is that it is a whitewashing fantasy my ancestors weren't spaniards in california you know and there were so few spaniards not very many there were the priests um and so and it wasn't, you know, it, it's Zorro is like the, the, they're trying to re- rehash him and bring him up. It, it was is a real slap in the face to see him call, to call them Joaquin Marietta and all this stuff like that. And also the uh, California had a um, uh, federalist uh, rebellion as the U.S. invaded. It was to uh, it, it was actually using a lot of ideals from the American Revolution to to to. Um, uh, <laughs> for all these kind of reforms, right. Uh, for, for humanistic re- reforms, the U S put a kibosh on that. Right. <laughs> and so, um, for them, but in the movies of Zorro with Antonio Mandela, they, it, it's like all of a sudden these evil, like, um, sp- these evil Spanish, uh, Californios are rebelling or rebelling in a very similar way against the U S for uh, like, it, it's like, it didn't happen like that. They, they, they came in to a, um like you know like a more to rebellion the there was all throughout latin america there is these federalist and centralist rebellions and this is part of it and they in that inspired by the american revolution and they actually you know um started hunting hunting native people stealing on the land lynching mexicans uh so it's it to portray the U.S. as some kind of liberator is, is is worse than a joke when it comes to this time in California. So anyway, Zorro, horrible. <laughs> but you don't see that many Californian stories that are you know because they're so linked with Zorro. But I, I you know so this I think this kind of has to be undone.
0: Can you comment on the future of Chicano sci-fi? Are there any emerging authors or trends that we should be watching for?
1: Um. Yeah. So. Uh, we're like, that's almost an though We're like, we're trying to you know, help push things ahead. Um, I mean, one, uh, th- there's a young author of, uh, uh, Pedro Niguez in, in the, you know, I don't want to like single you know, people out there like that, but he, but he's, he's doing, it's like, he's prolific. I don't know what he, I don't know. <laughs> he's writing quite a lot and you get and they're good and gets published quite a lot. Right. Um, and so like, I think he's definitely someone to look to, um, there are other there are all, all sorts of people writing i mean obviously there's david bowles david bowles has been around a bit he wrote he wrote a, a book he's not into the collection but he wrote a, a book i quite I like a lot it's uh it's kaiju in like a godzilla movie, is like a godzilla book in, in mexico city um there, there there's there's more and more um, i mean a lot of them are in el fobernia yacht to be honest um but as far as like trends i mean like uh we are doing a chicano futurist um chicano futurism anthology it's still will ya in we yacht too we're going to be probably calling it, um chicano futurism now it's open call right now we're getting it and we're taking um this time rather than just short stories we're taking nonfiction, poetry uh images um and and short stories and, and, and screenplays we're trying to op- really open it up and um you know we want people talking about the future Cause we do have people like uh, Armando is uh, you know, he wrote the Chicano um, manifesto at his 50 year anniversary. He wrote the blueprint papers reflected upon like the, the, the words he wrote in 50 years ago and what's been accomplished then and what he still sees to come. So this is a speculative sci-fi sci-fi document. He wrote that's nonfiction, right? Cause we're, you know, as we said, like uh Chicano is a sci-fi is a sci-fi state of being. And there's also other authors, uh, Ernesto Morelli's, um, and we're also, we're going to get something from Ernesto Ayala. I hope um, that are writing that that are involved in, in writing these uh, ideas about who we are. We have something from uh, Apache Maiz um, about the ideas of nation, and, and so th- these are conversations that I think Chicano futurism, especially this, this space, can really um, bring out to people. And it's not in it's not just um, nonfiction; it's fiction as well. These we need visions of ourselves. I, I, I felt so odd. Like I can tell you, like, um, we just had a workshop with, um, it was still going on with, uh, Dee Cervantes. I know she's a poet, of course. Um, she's famous in certain circles, of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you know her, but like, she's, um, like I was, you know, uh, I was younger, but you know, still old. Right. <laughs> when I first saw her in person and I had never seen a chicana from uh, southern california like it, uh, it would be someone in my mother's generation right i've seen plenty of Chicana's poets right but i have not seen someone of my mother's generation that that was a poet like that and like who spoke like my mother like people my aunts my my mother's friends my you know like that um and it, it means a big deal it means a lot to be seen right it means a lot to be um in it, it it's uh it, it it it's like it's hard it's something hard to describe because um we're meant this society thinks we're only meant for um, for things it doesn't like or or looks down upon. And but to see that we're capable of 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 um, of the arts, you know, of uh, of thought, of um, of more than just uh, you know the the present moment. And I think that being locked in the present is something we need to we, we gotta think about the future to have a future, right? So I mean, uh, you know, I always lost my t- turn. I thought I apologize again, but yeah, but uh yeah i think uh chicano futurism um yeah so the the anthology is so we're trying to open it up i think fiction like we got a lot of great fiction already um like different forms we're not trying to like basically we're only stipulating it has to be about the future we're really interested in saying i think chicano futurism that as a notion can be wider than just about the future you know but like that we're just using this as a trope to really get people to be in this conversation of imagining ourselves Cause I see this as a place where um, um, nonfiction and fiction come together and I kind of have my own background and I don't, I don't really, I think anything memory is uh, actually speculative and non in, and is fiction and me kind of imposing my own editorial kind of thoughts about that as well. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's what I see going on for, with uh, Chicano sci-fi and Chicano futurism. I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, you know, probably not be upset. I'm not mentioning them, but there, but there's a lot of folks out there.
0: That and it's like great. we're trying to bring them together. My, that, that all sounds great. We are running out of time. My last question is if someone is interested in applying to be in this next anthology, how would they go about doing so?
1: Uh, go to uh somosinscrito.com. That's somos S-O-M-O-S-E-N-E-S-R-I-T-O.com. And you can see, you can see there's a little banner at the top, uh, Chicano Futurism um, Open Call. And we're we're, we're uh, we have the open call to July 1st. But if you need more time, you know, always email us somalstenskrita@gmail.com at gmail.com. Uh, gmail.com yes, yeah, gmail.com.
0: Scott Russell Duncan, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.